Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Union Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. I'm joined again this week by Liam O'Brien. Liam, how are things? Good, Mark. Yourself? Yeah, good, good, good. I know we had a kind of a, a week break there last week. Plenty to cover, uh, Liam. I suppose review the Irish Provincial Derby between Connacht and Munster in the sports ground last weekend. A good win for Connacht. Maybe raises a few question marks over Munster. Uh, Leinster Ulster winning both at home big last week. Uh, we'll also look at the Emerging Ireland Tour. Was it a success or a failure from our perspective? And also some late-breaking news in terms of the Gallagher Premiership. Uh, famed club Wasps have gone into administration and are looking as if they're destined to go the same way as Buster Warriors going out of business and uh, probably very ominous signs. I'm just thinking immediately of John Ryan here, the Munster rugby prop that joined only in the summer. So we'll have a talk about that. So, Liam, maybe first off, let's kind of review Munster Rugby. Uh, when we last spoke, there was a key game down in Musgrave Park against Sebury Rugby. There was a result, certainly. No bonus point try uh, performance. But, again, optimism probably was established, but fairly quickly snuffed out with a very indifferent performance, I would say, against Connacht Rugby last Friday night in the sports grounds. What were your initial impressions of the Munster Rugby performance? Oh, just look, um, the thing was, uh, as poor as we were, it was still a game that we could have won in that second half, but just we created absolutely nothing. Like, we created nothing. And I suppose we, we were bad with the ball, and we were equally as bad without the ball. And there's there's no players that are, like, standing out at all. It's like the whole team has been dragged down, and we can't get out of it. And at the moment, it's like you'd have to say it's not quite the, the coach's fault, but it's obviously a problem for them that um, the players aren't performing. And there's no there's no real cohesion. There's no spirit. It's it's quite worrying um, when we were facing that against Connacht and we have far more quality like opposition in the next few weeks. The Bulls and Leinster and Ulster and... Gee, it's kind of frightening what could be down the line, really. Connacht have come off a pretty difficult start of the season, but coming to the sports ground, first game at home for Connacht in their newly installed 4G pitch with Dr. Magnificent, by the way. And again, <laughs> the classic weather of Galway never really materialised here. Uh, there's a few passing showers, but I don't think there's any excuses here for either Connacht or Munster. I thought it was a very indifferent interprovincial uh, fixture. I thought both teams really struggled. Um, I think Marcus Horan had mentioned on commentary, watching on back, that both sides preyed on each other's mistakes. And that was certainly the case after seven minutes with Mac Hansen's try. I mean, you know, Munster, their own worst enemy here, you know, conceding territory early. Um, and again, maybe there's a few question marks about the defensive shape out wide, but Mac Hansen easily fending off uh, Joey Carberry as the last line of defence to score after seven minutes. And you thought maybe, geez, this is a bit ominous for Munster. But I suppose in fairness to Munster, which went 23 minutes, I think it was probably their best passage of play here, Liam. The line-out, win, the mall, setting up the face. Now, match official-wise, I wondered if there was a tip-tackle somewhere in the middle of that setup of uh, Campbell's try, but 
great work from Ben Healy as well to identify Campbell out in space out wide for the score. And you thought then maybe they would kind of maybe settle down a bit. And I think they kind of did a little bit the 10 minutes before and after halftime, uh, Liam. So maybe optimism was a little bit high when Ben Healy had put over the two penalties, the 39th and 47th minute that Munster would drive on here and deliver a much needed morale boosting performance uh, away from home. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, it's very start. Like the first two scrums were were conducts, and particularly the second scrum, about six minutes, we got mulleried. Like, you know what I mean? Your man Knox, who, quite frankly, I I I just don't think it's it's happening for him. Got destroyed by Dennis Buckley. Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that 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 to me was ominous. Like, you know, as early doors. Like, you know, but like. The, the yeah, Matt Hansen try. It was I was a well-work try. It was I suppose initially um, Hawkshaw who had a fine game even from the start. Uh, off the line out, he he he's good, powerful running, and yeah, um, I suppose look, uh, uh, Carty gave an absolutely smashing pass out to to um, to Matt Hansen, and yeah, I mean Carberry's feeble attempt at tackle. Kind kind of embarrassing, you'd have to say, but um yeah, Mac Hansen, I mean, he's a quality player. He really is, like you know, um, and we've had so we we also had Hawkshaw giving their brilliant pass to Hansen there about six seven minutes later, um, but yeah, um, then we had Hansen prominent again with an, an, a good hit on Murray, even though it actually ended up as a a, a knock on for Connacht, but it was at least. You know, he, he he was in their face, like basically. Um, in terms of of Campbell's try, why well, took it well? Well, it stood out for me that a few minutes before that, actually, that you know they went uh, left to right, um, and I thought that kind of that Casey and Healy kind of butchered it actually before that. You know, I know the forwards then took it up again. Um, but yeah, Campbell, you know, he he took his try very well there, and then you know, so then it was all Munster basically for for the rest of the first half, and when we when we went like five eleven up in the second half, I just thought we'd kick on from there, but we never did. No, certainly not. I mean, I hope you had wouldn't bring up the set piece issues straight off, but scrum was in massive trouble, wasn't it, from early doors, but. It's true for you, Liam. Again, a little bit of a team here from Munster Rugby. Not really putting teams away when they have possession. We've seen it with Zebri Rugby in round three as well. The three tries in the bank early against Zebri. But again, complete cohesion issues between the pack and the, the back line. Uh, no real go-forward ball here. I mean, I was disappointed with our 12 and 13 when we saw like of Hawkshaw and Rolston as well really making great ground, good game line breaks. Same couldn't be said for Dan Goggin or Malachi Fikatoa as well. I mean, I think Fikatoa was a very peripheral figure uh, in the game. You know, primary ball carrier, I would have wanted him to be on the ball a little bit more. Didn't happen, and I think our back three were pretty anonymous throughout. I mean, Campbell's try aside, there wasn't much in terms of go-forward ball for him, Phillips, or for Carberry for that matter, who really struggled, Liam, all ends up. I think physical contact is a bit of an issue for Carberry right now. I, the confidence is not there. Uh, I saw a tackle was a John Porch. And again, you could see Carberry, no confidence there. I mean, balls d- dislodged. But I think, to be fair to Carberry, it's 
where is his position within the Munster setup? I mean, uh, the 10 jersey now is a bit of a wide open debate here. I mean, Healy was kind of sacrificed here. Uh, Carberry back in a 10. But again, if you're topping and changing, looking for a miracle to happen here after 30 minutes to go, I think it's um, it's pretty ominous here for Munster. But again, the Beelham try at 53 minutes, the 50-22 kick, probably exposing uh, the back three field position a little bit from Munster but I suppose it's Finley Beelham as well had an outstanding game I thought all the Connor front five really did dominate for good long periods Finley Beelham being assisted you know driven over the line here after 53 minutes you could feel the momentum really swing at that stage here and you know thank the lucky start for Munster rugby I mean Jack Harty if he had his kicking boots on this game would have been well and truly over after 60 minutes yeah, absolutely, it would have been. Yeah, but I mean, go back to to, to beat him. Yeah, beat him and Buckley and sorry, obviously again Thornbury were 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 excellent. Um, but what a what a mall try, honestly, that was that was sensational stuff. Like, how far out were they? Like when they went when they when they when they at that mall, it was like incredible, man. You know? Yeah, it was it was old school monster, wasn't it? It was kind of uh, they went for the kill. Front five went for the kill here. The physicality. Munster just had no answers here, and from I thought from a front five perspective, throughout the game, you know, even Kilcoyne was put back in his um, rear end a few times, particularly on scrum time as well. But that Beelham try really did emphasise, I think, the hunger and desire between the two teams here. Connacht were the team looking for a result here. I thought Munster were very passive, particularly in their attacking play, and it really did show. And I suppose Connor Fitzgerald. Um, coming in to replace uh, Jack Carty on the kicking tee, you know, gets the penalty after 61 minutes. And then Paul Boyle coming on. I thought that subs bench impact here, Liam. Now, I mean, you can make excuses all you want from Munster Rugby about the Emerging Ireland Tour. And the likes of John Hotnett, Alex Cadellan, Tom Hearn, guys at Shane Daly, Calvin Nash. But Connacht had the finishers in this fixture and Paul Boyle, who, you know, that back row battle is intense uh, up here in Galway, uh, comes in with the try, a very similar try, you know, basically crashes over. And you can see the reaction of the pack from Connacht, you know, good night's work done. And uh, Munster really put to the sword, and then Connacht would serve with a magnificent kick on 79 minutes to deny Munster the bonus point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, it kind of, kind of totally deserved it. And, I mean... Like there's so much wrong in in our our attacking play. I mean, there is no attacking play, you know. I mean, Connacht were able to run from depth, and they were still able to really carry well. I th- I think we have a big problem in in our in our ball carrying as well, and uh, our our lack of discipline. You know, we had other penalties given away. I mean, even Ty Byrne, the discipline is just give, killing any momentum as well, and. I, I I thought at one stage, like for me, what summed it all up, the craziness of it was, I think it was like in the 70 something minute of the game, we had, um, we had um, Coombs breaking off the scrum and he just kicks the ball away. He doesn't even carry. Yeah. I mean, for me, <laughs> that was really summed up the game. You know what I mean? How, how crazy things have become for Munster. Your number eight doesn't even make an attempt to kind of run up the field, like you know. Yeah, it was. It, it had kind of realms of last season. You remember when 
Ben Healy took that audacious uh, drop a goal from miles out. No supporting players and stuff. It just, it was desperation move, really. I don't know what, I suppose, you know, the only the player knows why he kicked that ball down the field, maybe looking for a territorial advantage, but it really did show that all the ideas had been used up at that stage. Now, I'm looking and at the, the United... Was, Mark, the thing was, it was only 13-11 at that stage. Like, it wasn't exactly. like you were 10 points down. I mean, to me, that was almost a key point in the game. You know what I mean? Because he kicked it down, and for the next seven, eight minutes, Connacht owned the ball. Oh, you know, certainly that, that's, that's how crucial it was, you know? Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what video analysis had to make of it down in University of Limerick on Monday, particularly. But I'm looking at the UnitedRugby.com website, and if folks go onto the team stats section, it really tells, does tell the tale of the tape in terms of Munster Rugby, and particularly the attacking side of the ball. They're 14 out of 16 here, teams, in terms of the stats generated. Points scored, 14th. Try scored, 15th. Only seven tries scored. Uh, clean breaks, Liam, were last. We've only achieved, secured eight clean breaks in four games. I mean, that's kind of telling you the tale of the tape. I mean, defensively, we're tackling pretty kind of heavy here. Uh, looking down through the list here, 608 tackles in the first four games. That's pretty excessive, if I'm brutally honest. But for eight clean breaks, I know respect to the opposition that Munster have faced here, in the first four, you would have expected a bit more in terms of even kind of a transitional team. Things are certainly not right in Munster Rugby, particularly in attacking side of the ball. Only eight clean breaks. You're not going to score many tries um, with statistics like that. Yeah, but I mean, again, like, I suppose uh, you look at Fekitoa. Every time Fekitoa gets the ball, he knocks it on or he the, the ball slips through his fingers. And then you have your out half who for these few games, it has to be said, has been Ben Healy. I mean, I mean, he just doesn't offer any sort of a clean break, uh, clean pair of heels, you know. Um, and then you have a kind of a, a back tree who are all at sea as well. So, like, it just adds up that there, there, there really is nothing happening behind a scrum. And then, and then it has to be said, too, you know, um, we have a, 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 a kind of a, pack where the the line out is kind of malfunctioning in this game Connacht had got a hundred percent in their line outs um and yeah we're 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 have guys like Coombs who last season you know made a, an impact as well in his ball carrying he's kind of all at sea this this term as well so there there's nobody actually kind of taking the game to the opposition yeah pretty much I mean I'm kind of looking here even defensive Total tackles missed, 86 tackles missed from Munster in the first four rounds. It's across the board that, you know, that confidence I think was fragile anyway going into the season. Pre-season, I did, you know, on reflection, did not go according to plan. There were issues and they've really been magnified here given the games with the Cardiff Blues, the Dragons. Zebri win probably masked a few of these, but definitely against Connacht Rugby. As you said, aside... And I think kind of rugby video analysis wise probably wasn't great either. I think pack wise could feel relatively happy with their works night's work, but I think in terms of an overall cohesive performance from Connacht, that never really materialised. And my God, they've Leinster rugby coming to them 
Yeah, and and, and you know what? I I, I think it will. I, I think, I mean, they've already been pro- progressively getting better. I mean, even it has to be remembered in, the, in that Bulls game, Connacht actually did quite well. Um, and then you know I I think there's been a bit of a progression in the in the Munster game, but yeah, there has to be another 20 30 percent increase in performance against Leinster, or else it's going to be Leinster with a almost a, a double bonus point win. You know, so it's going to be happening there. But yeah, at least the, at least they they have they have some players playing on form. They have Hawkshaw, they have Carty, they have Hanson. So so there are positives for them. It'll be interesting to see the kicking um, option that Andy Friend will go with uh, this Friday night. Jack Carty was very indifferent with the boot um, off tee. Um, Conor Fitzgerald deputised, I thought, superbly well down the stretch and really secured that win for Connex. So that'll be an interesting side plot. Again, it's going to be different gravy in terms of Leinster front five versus what Connex faced last Friday night. I mean, our friend Jason Jenkins is, you know, really impressing massively for Leinster Rugby. Again, he had another very prominent performance for Leinster against Chelsea Sharks. I think that was the game of the season so far, given the tries and the excitement in that game. It's just the different levels. Now, the hope here, as you say, is Connacht have gotten confidence from this win against Munster Rugby. But um, that front five for Leinster, it does scare me a little bit if I was Connacht Rugby uh, going into the game on Friday night. But... uh, I suppose we can talk about that later on. I suppose the Bulls come to Toman Park here, Liam. Munster's uh, opposition doesn't get any easier. And the Bulls have had a good start to the season. They defeated the Lions. They defeated Edinburgh. They defeated Connacht, as you mentioned, in round three. They have come down to the ground with a thump uh, after a 35-21 loss against Glasgow Warriors at Scotston. And they'll be eager to get back on winning way. So it's not an easy task here for Munster Rugby to... Yeah, effectively a win to save their season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the, the only other way now we're going to get it in 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 into kind of the the top end of the table is to take two wins from our next three games. That's kind of essentially you know, the next thing we have to do. Um, and the Bulls, I mean, after after losing my fourteen points and, and not picking up any points on the on the road against Glasgow, are going to be absolutely bursting a gut to put out a performance against us. And they have the players to do it. I mean, physicality-wise, they could actually blow us away. Uh, and and then, of course, they have, you know, they have real quality. They have Kurt Lierense and, and, and um, Cornell Hendricks um, and Kenan Moody as well in the, in the back line. So, I mean, they have they've real, real quality there. Um, so, like, we've got, we've got to pull out something. And we, we've got to... I suppose bringing back some of some of the the young players who did so well for emerging Ireland, but it's a question of, I mean, do you do you rest some guys now? We also have this situation where Munster, in terms of their Irish, their frontliners players, they'll have to rest some of them in the next three games. So they'll have to pick, and the likelihood is that they will pick them for this game, and then for the games against Leinster and Ulster. We'll actually have to rest the likes of O'Mahony and the likes of um, Byrne, those type of players. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it is decision time for Graham Rountree, Dennis Leamy, and Mike Prendergast. What's to, what's their 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 strongest fifteen right now? Because they need a result against the Vodacom uh, Bulls for sure. I mean, 
It's um I think he has to go all out this weekend. Um, Liam, get your win. It's not gonna be easy, you have Marcel Kutze, uh, you have uh, Bismarck Duplessis, Varenze. Uh now again, there may be some hope here. Glasgow Warriors were superb last weekend against Constantine. They had the bonus point secured after forty seven minutes. Game was well and truly over by the time Duplessis and Swampool um Score tries in the third quarter. Uh, Glasgow Warriors dominated on the breakdown, which I think might be an area of opportunity here for Munster Rugby, particularly. And Vodafone's had, I think, 25, 26 missed tackles as well. So maybe those game line break stats for Munster Rugby may improve as well. But it's going to have to be a remarkably marked up performance from Munster here on both sides of the ball and particularly set piece. Um, it's backs against the walls, I would say, here, Liam, uh, from Munster Rugby. As you say, it doesn't get any easier after the Bulls. You have Leinster and Ulster, and conceivably, if things don't go current plan in Tone Park on Saturday, they could be looking at uh, only one win going into the November international break. And I mean, effectively, Champions Cup is gone at that stage, isn't it, surely, Liam? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's ours. It's completely gone. Be, be, before, before, as you said, before even the November internationals, never mind before Christmas. And then you have the resultant knock on of crowds, you know, try, try, trying to get crowds in for games after this is going to be almost next to impossible. You're going to be in half, at least half empty stadiums. Um, but in terms of, look, we, we the, the real questions have to be asked about key positions like like out half like tight head prop like hooker and i just one thing that that's that puzzles me is can players if you are an irish international player in world cup season can you be dropped in favor of of a more informed player see it, it, it works out when when for irish rugby when you have teams in form but it doesn't quite work out when there are few are paying big wages to guys and the guys maybe just you know they need a, a, a for a two or three grain just to kind of be on the bench like you know so that's the question and how do you reintegrate the likes of Hodnett and Salanoa and Crowley daily back into the the squad do you kind of they've also you know been playing the last few weeks and do you start them on the bench i mean i i, I think you'd really have to make a gamble at this stage with someone like crowley and i i i'd start him to be honest with you i probably would start crowley like alongside murray you know as a as a halfback combination um i definitely would have to start I suppose Salanoa, a tight head prop, you know, and see can he get a big fifty minutes ball carrying there, um, and even I mean it's got to the stage where Shane Daly now for me, I'd like to see him there at uh, outside centre, which means actually that <laughs> your big foreign player wouldn't be wouldn't be starting, and I mean him himself and Antoine Frisch could be a, a kind of a, a quite a, a fresh new partnership there. Yeah, because fresh could be the unknown quantity here. I know he was but the Emerging Ireland Tour. Things have gone relatively well for him there. Do you just throw him in at 13? 
Like, Malika Fikatoa, is he a 12? More so than a 13 here. I mean, I think first ball carrier, definitely, he needs to be more prominent in these games. Um, Like, we're going to have to see the best of him in the next few weeks here, uh, Liam, because, as, as you say, I think decisions have to be made from Graham Rowntree and some really kind of hard decisions, particularly on marquee guys that are not delivering. It needs to happen. It needs to. He needs to be looking at the training ground here. If the young guys are really impressing, putting their hand up, I think it now is a case in point where he needs to put these guys in. I mean, I think Frisch, Josh Wisherly probably comes into the equation here a little bit from a prop situation. It'll be intriguing just to see the 15 he, and the 23 he puts in, um, given where Munster are at at the moment, given the fixture that's heading into November. It has to be a must win here and a good win at that. So it's, yeah, I mean, you've had that there. Dellen's coming back from return play protocol. It, it's not getting any easier here. Um, but I suppose we'll not lay the land after the Bulls game here because you've Leinster to Aviva and then you've Ulster as well. It's, it's kind of, a, it's a very daunting fixture list, but the one good thing about Munster when it, historically is when they've had backs against the wall, performances have come. So let's hope maybe uh, on Saturday night that will happen. Uh, Liam, what are your thoughts in terms of the game itself? Who do you fancy between Munster Rugby and the Vodacom uh, Bulls here? God, I never thought I'd quite say this, like, but I mean, you'd have to fancy the Bulls, wouldn't you? You know, I know we're at home, but like, I mean, it, it's just hard to see a way out of this for us, really. Um. We've so much to improve in in every position, uh, but again, it does depend on on the the kind of team that's selected, and you know we still have players who can change things in in the likes of Tyg Byrne, um, who's a quality player, um, in Coombs, you know these guys can still make make big plays in games, but um, I suppose really look. We, what the, we know, we know the kind of game that the Bulls are going to play, and they're going to basically go line out to Maul, and then get up as far as much up the field, and then they'll either um, kick to the likes of Moody and, and Corkley Arense, or um, they will bring their big ball carrying centres into play. That's that's just simply how how it's going to how it's going to end up for them, and so we have to make sure that our fielding is going to be top-notch we, and we, that we compete for those high balls and that we just disrupt their scrum just basically that they they can't um get momentum um in their in their malls um and yeah basically you know try and and be competitive on the ground and start getting penalties against against them Sounds easy. It sounds easy when you say it in those terms, uh, Liam. Um, but I would agree, Bulls will definitely target our lineout. Our lineout has been, you know, a very much mixed bag. Um, particularly against Connacht, I thought it completely malfunctioned uh, at different points, different pivotal points. So um, it's stacked up to Munster. But what I would hope from Munster's performance, I'm not going to call the result here. What I would be looking for is a much more cohesive performance from Munster Rugby. A vision in terms of how they're going to play the game here because it's very muddled at the moment. Um, do we have a front five physically that's going to literally bully teams? The evidence in the last four rounds has been no. 
Um, so how are we going to evolve that? We do have good breakdown operators. So I think winning penalties, securing 369.12 points on the board may be our way to go here. Um, see if we can rattle the bulls already here, because given their experience in Scotston, their confidence coming in is maybe a little bit fragile and hopefully a good crowd in Toman Park here um, may kind of buoy up the Munster Rugby um, team. So, look, there has to be a performance here. I think the management-wise, they're just new in the job. I think this has to come from the players here, Liam, in terms of the performance, the attitude, the application, that physicality, that speed off the line. We have to see, we have to see kind of that determination and desire, something that wasn't there in the sports ground uh, last weekend. So, look, if they don't win this weekend here, Liam, I think this season, is it kind of, do we write it off? Do we kind of look to kind of uh, evaluate squad depth here if you're Graham Roundtree? What are probably the expectations? So, I think from that perspective, it's a, it's going to be a fascinating episode next week, <laughs> uh, regardless of the result, because we've Leinster and Ulster coming into this block of fixtures. Um, Liam, we might leave it there. Merging Ireland, um, success or failure in terms of the tour for you? Oh, yeah. De- de- definitely now you'd have to say success, you know? I mean, I, I wasn't a big fan of it, player, pulling players from league games at the beginning of the season. But like you'd have to say, it's worked out tremendously well for for Andy Farrell. He's got a number of young lads now who are put, going to put their hands up, and you know, bolter certainly for the autumn internationals, and then of course with the the World Cup squad. So like, I mean, w- you look there, the Greek is game. We kind of worried after that because it was kind of like you know an absolute hammer that they got. But the Pumas, re- great competitive game, and also the the Cheetahs now. Who stood out for me, I suppose, really, Osborne. I thought, you know, before this, he looked like a proper, proper footballer, and 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 certainly that seemed to be the, the way he went on for him then. Um, our own Shane Daly, um, in, in the back line, um, Jack Crowley, certainly, you know, he got his kicks and he was just kind of nice and nice and and tidy. Um, yeah, I and then. Up front, I mean, you had um, the guy from Ulster, Cormac. <laughs> How can I pronounce it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it Shifu, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, he was outstanding. And also Colhan, the the under-20 back row, uh, stood out for me as well. Yeah, I think there's plenty of winners coming out of this tour. I mean... The results side, we had called it here in this podcast two weeks ago. We thought the Greekers were going to be probably a dead rubber game, so it proved fairly quickly. Pumas were unknown quantity for us, but they certainly gave it a good rattle against the emerging Ireland side in Goonfontein. And then we had the Cheetahs, which I thought we both agreed was going to be the marquee fixture here. The squad that basically the Cheetahs had basically announced, it wasn't. It didn't go soft here on emerging Ireland. So I think it's been valuable experience for everyone in the touring party. Probably James Culhan for me was probably a standout pick. Joe McCarthy as well. If that guy's not on the World Cup 2023 plane, I think something will be wrong there because I think more exposure time for McCarthy with the the Ireland management can only do him well. Scott Penny I thought was impressive. I didn't think he'd put a foot wrong here, Liam, uh, during the tour. A few tries to boot. Nathan Doak, 
I thought himself and Crowley, that access of nine and ten. Maybe these are bolsters here for 2023 as well here, uh, Liam. They have such good co- cohesion and understanding with each other. I thought it was uh, great to see. Um, I suppose as well, you have to call out Shane Daly, I suppose. He did kind of revel in that environment, you know, away from Munster. And he seems to have literally, his performances went to another level. The hope is that he comes back and he's renewed. You know, train likes of Robert Balacone as well, who I thought was outstanding as well. Jamie Osborne, Stuart Moore. I, I thought the back line really did show some great, great attacking moves. Decided as well, it was great to see all this pod moves, um, particularly uh, Lane, for some of the tries. It was just well-worked, good team tries. I think it was Simon Easterby, who was kind of over the side in South Africa. It, I think ticked an awful lot of boxes. <clears throat> I don't think they'll be afraid to call up any of these guys going forward. Yeah, it look. I mean, that that's how it worked out. I mean, they got a good test. The players actually got a genuine good good test, and the coaches were able to see them at close quarters for a week, training and playing opposition and playing in the in in the iron style now, you know. And 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 as you said, scoring some really well worked tries. And I suppose that the the, the 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 real thing is in in some key areas. Like you know, in the halves and 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 full back and wings, yeah, we've got some some real live options there now. And you'd also have to say, you know, the way things are going, we have two outstanding provinces and we have two provinces who are kind of in turmoil. That's these these young players are definitely bolters to go. You'd hope into their provincial sides as well. You know, Cottle Ford as well, like. He, you know, yeah. he for me, like, you know, I mean, I, re- I call a proper footballer. Um, and again, would love to see him get time at, at Connacht because I I didn't think at the start of the season that there'd be any new, like, new caps handed out between now and the World Cup. But now <laughs> I've completely, I've changed my mind. There is absolutely time in the autumn and the Six Nations for these guys. I think even November is a massive opportunity to start blooding in a few of the guys that impressed in this tour. Reward them for the form that they're showing. Um, like Robert Balacon for me is an easy sell in the back three. Like he's got everything here. Uh, Liam, I don't see any weak spot in his game. His attacking game, his pace, his power, his speed. My God, I think he's an incredible option. That adds a bit more fuel to the back three squad depth here. So I think from that perspective, Liam, I would be with you. I think given the opposition that we're going to be playing, I would like to see a few of these emerging Ireland squad players get their opportunity. And I suppose it brings me to that question here, Liam. These players are going back to their provinces. You know, you've alluded to Leinster and Ulster being probably the teams that are on the upper trajectory. Connacht, we can say kind of, you know, 50-50. Munster definitely in a little bit of a bind at the moment. Where do these guys go if they're not getting the game time here heading into November? Is it a time for our director of Rugby from RFU to really start loaning these guys out or getting these guys game minutes, even if it's in England, in France? They can't be just literally sat in A matches playing to, no disrespect, the man and the dog on a Wednesday or Thursday. What's your opinion on that? Because like this tour has brought these guys on massively. But then to now not have serious game time 
would be seriously detrimental to these players' development. Yeah, it certainly would be. But I mean, I mean, that's that's the hope. The hope is that that these guys do get game time because, quite frankly, some of them are, are already in better form than the players who are currently there. As for where where they will go if they weren't getting game time, some of them can still go as as medical jokers to to France. I mean, I mean, I I still think that someone like Jack Crowley, I I still think that um, Raj would take him in, in a heartbeat in the morning. Bring he, I think I think he'd bring him in. For, for the season so and and you've got guys like tom tom ahern as well and um, penny um yeah then you're looking at probably the english um the 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 level just below the, the the premiership is another option i mean i mean i'd actually even be thinking of japan because um we have marcel kotsia has just announced that he is heading off to japan pretty much from from now until the World Cup, so I mean, the the seasons are such that you know I mean it's well capable for some of these guys now to go to Japan and play in a top league, so that might that might be an option. Can I throw maybe kind of a curveball here, maybe South Africa? If your URC teams, uh, they're definitely with scouts probably evaluating all these emerging Ireland guys when they played the Greekers, they played the Pumas and the Cheetahs, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you see one or two of these guys maybe making a trip down to South Africa after Christmas to, you know, reinforce squads there, particularly when you have, uh, you know, South African commitments, particularly definitely next season anyway, um, Aleem as well. So I think there's options here, but I think IRFU, the upper brass, really need to think long and hard about what are the overall long-term benefits of this tour? It can't be just a tick-the-box exercise, a trial games, and nothing to come from it. We need that conveyor belt. We need that squad depth to emerge, and we want these players to be regularly playing. So I think there needs to be a real flexible, tangible plan for these players. I think Kyle Ford, you've hit the nail on the head. I would hope to see him feature massively for Connacht uh, going forward. You know, he had a super tour as well. Um, Lee might leave the Emerging Ireland tour and I suppose kind of look at uh, Gallagher Premiership. Breaking news tonight on the legendary club Wasps RFC uh, going into administration, uh, kind of following the road of Worcester Warriors only a few weeks ago, uh, went out of business. Liam, what are your immediate reactions here in terms of Wasps, their predicament? But maybe also the governance here within the Gallagher Premiership that a second Premiership club has hit the wall in dramatic circumstances. Yeah, because you're kind of wondering who who's next. I mean, I mean, because there's another two or three clubs that are probably not not far off that position as well. I mean, I mean, a club like Wasps to find themselves like basically relegated like that and potentially out of business, who knows, is just shocking, you know. And um, their their history. The likes of I always think about the like Rob Howley and Trevor Liotta and, and they had one one of the great European Cup winning winning sides there. Um so and and, and you know a club with a great tradition and, and great supporters and again how are they allowed to get to that position to have a hundred odd million owed and the financial oversight isn't there, and you know there, there there still seems to be the clubs in the Premiership, even with a salary cap, seem to be bringing in players 
marquee players that are clearly going to like actually smash smash the cap at the club. Um, and I feel sorry for I suppose really the, the players more than anything else. You have guys there in World Cup year who now are going to find it almost impossible to play on certainly in 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 European leagues you would have to say because everything has been pretty much decided maybe for some of these guys they they can again get to Japan or they can maybe play a bit of super rugby that that has to be an option for the for the Aussies or, or for the Kiwi teams but you're looking at guys like um certainly I'd be looking at Vincent Koch is the obvious guy you know um, you'd be looking at Dan Robson, there's Matteo Minuzzi, um, there's also Joe Launchbury, you know, so you have international players at that there. And yeah, I just hope they all they all get set up with clothes basically. Now, of course, we also have John Ryan. I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably the worst possible for, for John Ryan, you know. He was going to a club where they were really going to look after him. They were going to play him in tandem with Cock. Um, all season, and now that's that's obviously not going to happen. And where does he go from here? He he ain't going back to Munster like uh, after what happened to him. Yeah, I think that kind of relationship has soured. It'd be fair to say between John Ryan and Munster Rugby, certainly with the press clippings on that. It's a massive, massive story. It should be a massive story in England. It should be a massive story for World Rugby here. An established league like the Gallagher Premiership can have two teams collapse in such so early on in the season here, Dean. We're not even three to four rounds into the Gallagher Premiership. Like there was already warning signs here towards the back end of last season that Worcester were a little bit in spot of bother. But Wasps here reading reports were thirty five million in debt, an additional two million owed in taxes. So Obviously, the relocation from London in 2014 has clearly not worked. It was a massive gamble from Wasps at the time. I remember they went to High Wycombe, didn't they? They went to Adams Park for a few seasons. Didn't really catch hold. So then the ambitious move was to go to the Rico in Coventry. And obviously, that hasn't really kind of been successful. But from a Gallery Premiership tournament organised perspective, and even RFU, serious questions have to be asked here in terms of the ownership tests, the liquidity tests of these rugby clubs, like what tests are actually being conducted here, even before the season kicks off? It's just outlandish to think that these two teams were literally swimming in millions of debt and the governance body just didn't do nothing. That There was didn't seem to be any warning signs here. So... I think there's a massive crisis here. I think there's a massive confidence crisis here for English professional rugby to kind of get their house in order in a pretty quick fashion because if a storied franchise in Wasps or FC can potentially go under, what other clubs within the Gallagher Premiership and even in the First Division, the Championship, um, could be doing likewise? I mean, it's a, it's a very precarious situation that English professional rugby do find themselves in. Yeah, but as the, 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 the government body there in the Gallery Premiership, I mean, they they should, for, for, to lose two teams in their league at the beginning of the season, I mean, they should all, in, in, in mass, be given the road completely. 
Um, and as I said, it, it then, then the, the, the thing is you're looking at a kind of a, a collapsing house of cards because you're you're now down two teams. So when you're playing, you're losing two gate receipts. I mean, I mean. Also, I think something that had to do with it was definitely the COVID and playing those seasons without fans definitely kind of was maybe the going to be the nail in the coffin for some of these teams. And you also wonder like how sustainable really professional rugby is when you when you strip it away and without the big money men put put pumping money in the clubs. Um, rugby would have been a far worse state, really. Yeah, I, I think it's very ominous signs here for Wasps. I mean, 35 million, that's not growing on trees, given the cost of living crisis, given an awful lot of instability, even in the British economy at the moment, given the economic ripples that happened after their mini-budget a few weeks ago. I don't think investors are going to be really making a punt on Wasps RFC, given their debts currently and that's sustainability as well i suppose it does bring up a great point in terms of the pandemic and how clubs were supported or not supported where did that money go i thought there was furlough schemes for professional clubs to kind of sign on and you know sign up to but obviously that wasn't there i think 35 million is just it's a jaw-dropping number and i think from a gallagher premiership perspective the governance the body here I think there has to be resignations, surely. They're not fit to basically govern this league anymore. It has to go to the outside. There may have to be an outside assessor to come in and really assess every professional rugby club now in England because this is just not acceptable in professional rugby, professional sports, for a league to now lose two of its teams. And as you say, it's going to be a massive knock-on effect for you know other teams that have are living close by to Worcester. I'm thinking Worcester, Northampton, you know, like local derbies, you know, where you'd pack out Franklin Gardens. That may not have that game anymore. That's potential loss of earning a million or two million easy. So I think from that perspective here, Liam, I think it's a massive, massive wake-up call for the Gallagher Premiership English professional rugby and really to show that their tests are not fit for purpose at the moment. But kind of looking at the players, Joe Launchbury as well here, Liam, where is he going to go? I mean, this is a guy with World Cup aspirations. I mean... He needs to be playing. I know the players will be in limbo for a few weeks, very like the Worcester Warriors players when they went to the administration until they, I think is a particular time lapse, and then they become free agents, um, and then they'll be able to sign. But as you say, it's very precarious. Um, and then some some great talent, young talent in Wasps as well, like Josh Bassett. Um, you know, these guys that have come up along, uh, Sam Holston home. It's... It's uh, it, I'm I'm sad to see Wasps in that predicament because their fans are outstanding. I just think Lawrence Delalio Hill, you know, particularly the '90s teams there, that they just literally the Munster game, particularly in Lansdowne Road, that was completely epic. You know, they've won European Cups, but they're on their knees here. And apparently, the worst case scenario here for Wasps is that the board are split in terms of what to do. And that indecisiveness has really been, I think, a hallmark here of what Wasps have now had in terms of financial stability. So I think it's going to be an awful lot of hard decisions here in Wasps. And I think an awful lot of soul searching to be done in professional rugby in England, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Brad Shields as well. 
you have the two Willis, um, Jack and Tom, like you, John you have Ryan. Burger Oden dad actually. Really yeah, a quality player signing or Francois Hockart as well, you know. Exactly. You know, there is absolute wealth of talent here. Jacob Umanga, you know, Vincent Cock, Rodrigo Martinez as well, very promising, you know, you know, a good prop as well. Like there is massive I suppose with other professional clubs, like there are squad depth, you know. I do see likes of Rory Sutherland going to Ulster from the Worcester Warriors, like these are very astute moves but like for an awful lot of these players you know it could be the case of getting on loan to france or going super rugby japan route for a while until they can get signed up in england you know it's um and hopefully personal level john ryan uh get sorted you know uh as well you know it's a massive but again he, yeah he's a guy again himself him, himself and cock probably of all those guys would be the most sought after i mean you're talking about International standard tight head props. I mean, you know, they definitely should be picked up by teams. Oh, exactly. You know, it, you know, the market will dictate, you know, and, you know, props of that stature, that ilk, they're hard to come by them. So I would say they definitely should be. But it's just very distressing for John Ryan and his family, particularly moving over to Coventry area in the summer, Optimism High, new project. Obviously, been told all the right things by WASP board members and management of the WASP rugby club. For this all to crumble within a matter of months, I think, has to be has to take an impact here. So we hope for John Ryan and the rest of the WASP RFC players that hopefully the club can survive. But if they can't, then the players are literally taken care of, and they get back to playing rugby and getting back to earning a, a livelihood from this game. So. No, it's a very ominous news here, Liam. So we wish everyone well connected with Wasps RFC that they can get their house in order here. Yep, uh, Liam, yep, before we... Club. Yeah, massively great club. You know, and be sad to see them go. Liam, just a quick thoughts in terms of URC um, this weekend, round five. Any games really coming to mind here, springing to your attention? Yeah, look, look you, you have to give credit to the South African team. Suddenly, when you look at the fixtures for this weekend, it's, it's actually smashing. It's a... It's a really great fixture list. I mean, um, in in terms of free flow and rugby, I would actually say Osprey Stormers could be an absolute cracking game. Like you know, monster. <laughs> it yeah. It could be shoot. It could be shoot the lights out. Like H tries the piece sort of job. You know, um, and the both teams don't seem to bother too much with with defence. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but no. Um, I think if I was looking honestly, I'd be looking at Lions Ulster. So Ulster travelling to the Lions, who are, who are three from four, um, Ulster top of the table as well. Um, that's going to be an absolutely cracking game. Um, and then, of course, you know, Connacht hosting Leinster. That's, that was also an intriguing an intriguing derby to see. Are they going to carry on with some form um, and pick up a vital win? Because they also are going to have to try and start moving up the table at this stage. Um, yeah, and then of course, obviously, Munster and the Bulls as well. Um, so hopefully, we'll have a, a good crowd in Tomlin Park and we'll have something good to, to show about. But yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what I'd be looking at. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm look, I'll go left field here. I think Scarlet Sebri, Jesus, you know, for Scarlet's, you know, I talk about Munster rugby, like Scarlet's have had a miserable start to the season, and you know, a, a rugby club that you want to see compete. 
at the real highest level. The Scarlets haven't really hit those heights in a few seasons now, particularly in the URC. And I know Di Young, the Cardiff Blues coach, voiced concern today in terms of the um, the strength of the, the the regions in the URC today in a press conference. So I think Scarlets is every. I think Scarlets need to kind of get a win to kind of get a little bit of momentum going into November. I suppose as well as that, maybe the kind of cleanser game for me. Uh, I just want to see where Connacht are at here. Because we've kind of speculated, like, rightly, that Leinster and Ulster are the two teams that are on the upper curve. But I want to see where Connacht are really at here. Um, I, I think last weekend was a great win, great morale-boosting win. Without Buddy Akai, you know, they literally got the job done. They have to back this up like, this weekend against a Leinster side who are flowing with confidence. I was very impressed by them in certain stages against the South Sea Sharks. Their passing, their movement, you know, even their front five at times were was brilliant. You know, and literally Jason Jenkins has been a massive, massive plus for them in terms of that grunt work, that kind of real kind of workmanlike second row that they've missed, I think, since uh, Vardy left. So I think from that perspective, Connacht, I think, have it all to do, but I want to see a great game here in sports ground and going to tomorrow night. So it'll be good to see Connacht really come out and really go all guns blazing because they do have a talented backline here. Ralston as well, superb. Porch, Hanson, Fitzgerald as well, I think is growing in that 15 role. And again, very depth, uh, can deputise pretty well and place kicks as well. So I think for me, they're the key ones. Edinburgh Benetton might be an interesting one as well, Liam. Just to see Edinburgh have been very up and down. When they've been brilliant, they've been brilliant. When they haven't, they've just been flat. And Benetton rugby are up there, three wins from four. This isn't a key win for, or a key fixture for them to see. They got up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the team that wins this is going to be up at the top of the table. So yeah, so completely it's, it's crucial. Yeah, you know, for Benetton, if they could manage to get a win here in Edinburgh, Jesus, this could literally open up the season for them. You know, uh, they're in the top. Top six at the moment. You know, they played some great rugby, particularly uh, um, at home. Now, they did have the blip against Leinster in RDS, but they did play some good stuff, and I thought they were very well organised. So I think it's a massive opportunity for Benetton to get Edinburgh. And look, I expect Edinburgh to be further up the table come the end of the season, but I think it's a massive opportunity there as well. I think the organisers have really kind of, the fixtures are very intriguing. There's and not even the Sharks, Sharks in Glasgow. That's yeah. yeah, that's quite an intriguing game as well, actually. You know, Glasgow fresh off their win against uh, the Bulls in Scotston. Now, South Sea Sharks looking to recover after, I thought it was a phenomenal game between themselves and Leinster Rugby last weekend. You know, they gave as good as they got. Um, Some amazing passages of play, I thought, from Sharks, particularly their, we mentioned this last season about the Sharks. Once they get their pack and backline cohesion going they're a superb team and like no mcnamara being there and that sharks coach you can see the mcnamara blueprint there particularly the irish setup in sharks they look so much more cohesive than they did even last season so i think that's an intriguing one because the warriors on the day can offload and their breakdown works superb so look i think tournament organizers they have a great weekend ahead and even you have a local derby in wales with cardiff rugby and dragons at 5.15 on Saturday as well. So, I mean, look, there's an awful lot of subplots here. A few teams save our season already. Not going to name names, but then you have other teams that could literally kind of be out out in front, away, 
and not to be caught. So I think from that perspective, it's uh, an awful lot of do or die here heading yeah, into kind of that November. I, 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 I think I think the league is is tremendous this season already. Yeah, it really is. You know, games are not being handed like Zebri as well. You know, last season where you could say we're the whipping boys. Now it's kind of a case of they're they came to Musgrave Park. Granted, they lost, but they did show good spells. They've ran. Munster very or close, Leinster very close. So I think from that perspective, you know, teams have really been competitive early doors. So kind of makes for a good weekend here, Liam. Liam might leave it there. Um, many thanks. Hopefully Munster rugby backs against the wall, produce a performance and get their season up and running against the Bulls. So we'll probably review that next week and also look at the other uh, fixtures that stood out from round five of URC. Liam, many thanks. Have a good weekend. Okay, Mark. Enjoy yourself. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.